0: Amen. So last night, I took a walk. I do this often in Texas in the summer. It's my favorite time when, like, the sun sets super late and you can go on walks way past when my kids go to bed. And last night, as I was walking, I started to notice the cicadas, right, were super loud last night. And I take this walk down by Thomas Jefferson, which, if you all remember, that's one of the high schools that got destroyed in the tornado a few years ago. And so it's kind of wiped out. But as I was walking, and I heard the cicadas, and y'all, it was 78 degrees. I don't know by what miracle it was 78 degrees in July in Dallas, but it was. And so I was walking, and it was cool, and there were cicadas, and this high school that had been destroyed, there's just something about it struck me as I was walking, that this, this peace, this building up that I saw around it, this cleaning up of the neighborhood, of coming together, something about it struck me as God. Like I recognized it as God. Have you ever had an experience like that? Usually something to do with nature. Maybe when you wake up and there's a sunrise and you're like, yes, that is God. Or when you're in a really beautiful place or maybe when you hear someone sing and it's a really beautiful voice and you can just know that it's God. So many of us have this experience of recognizing who God is in the world in these ways. And we call it that. We call it God, but usually that's as far as we go. That's as specific as we go. But there there actually is a more specific name for the ability to recognize God in the world. Scripture calls it the Spirit of the Lord, Ruach in Hebrew, Paraclete in Greek. Holy Spirit is what we generally refer to it in English. But so many of us are hesitant to name the Holy Spirit working in our lives and in the world. And there's a few reasons for that. I think there's primarily two groups that we fall in. One is that we've heard of the Holy Spirit, but we kind of treat it like this unwanted guest. Like this unwanted relative that we know we have to put up with because someone told us the Trinity was important, so we have to believe in the Holy Spirit. But it's like a relative that when the real guests come, you shove into the back room and lock the door and hope they don't come out. Because you're really scared if they do come out, they might come speaking in tongues or praying over snakes or something, something crazy, and you're not sure that you believe in that. It's like this unstable cousin that you keep in the back room, and for some of us, it's not that at all. We don't have any baggage with the Holy Spirit. We, we don't really have that context or experience. But it's kind of like a, an elderly grandmother that just sits in the living room, can't talk anymore, just sits and stares. We engage with them occasionally, but not really meaningfully because we don't really know how to do it. It's there, and we know that she needs to be there, but that's about it. And either one of these versions of how we interact with the Holy Spirit, well, they're missing something. And they're missing something important. Because the reality is that if we think of the Holy Spirit as either that unstable cousin or that elderly grandmother, we're not quite understanding the fullness of who God is. Because we cannot understand God without understanding the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is God. Just as much as God the Father, just as much as Jesus, the Holy Spirit is God. And that comes from our belief in, in this thing called the Trinity, which, depending on how you grew up with, either probably dismissed as like, oh, it's just a mystery, don't pay attention to it, or wasn't talked about at all. But it is really fundamental to the Christian belief In fact, the Apostles' Creed, the series that we're going over this summer, it separates out the creed according to the Trinity. You have, I believe in God, the maker of heaven and earth, and then you have Jesus as the second portion. And then the third portion starts, I believe in the Holy Spirit. The Trinity was so important to our church fathers and mothers that they molded our statement of belief after the Trinity. If I had to define the Trinity, here's the definition I would go with. We believe that God is one God, revealed to us through Scripture and experience and nature as three persons. So we believe in one God who is revealed to us in three persons. And we get the names of those three persons from Scripture itself. We didn't make them up. They come from Scripture itself. And that is how we see God revealed in the world and all three of them are equal in weight. They're all God, fully, and they all deserve to be praised and worshiped just as much as the other. In church, we do a pretty good job of talking about God the Father and God the Son, but the Holy Spirit has always been kind of the lacking one. And so today, what we're gonna do is we're gonna explore what it actually means to believe in the Holy Spirit. I found that when I was preparing the sermon, the question that I was like, okay, this is the question I have to answer. I kept asking myself, what is the Holy Spirit? And it occurred to me a few days then that that was the wrong question. I had the pronoun wrong. The question is really, who is the Holy Spirit? Because we believe just as much as God the Father and God the Son, that the Holy Spirit is a person and is personal. So today, we're going to do a wide view of Scripture to think about how the Spirit is and works in the world and who the Spirit is. Because whenever you get a question about religion or Christianity or God or anything, the first place to start is the Bible and to trace its lineage and to see where it shows up. But luckily, we don't have to go super far for the Holy Spirit. We only have we start at the first page and the second sentence. We don't go far at all. After it says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, the next sentence starts, and the earth was void and darkness, and the Spirit of the Lord hovered over the earth. The Spirit is so important in our story of creation, in our story of how the world began, that it begins with the Spirit. The word is Ruah. It's a word that means breath or life force, And that makes sense because that's what the Spirit does in creation. So there's nothing, there's darkness, there's a void. Waters is how the scripture refers to it. And then there's a Spirit that hovers over it. And it's the Spirit that takes the darkness and turns it into light. It's the Spirit that takes nothing and turns it into beauty. It's the Spirit that takes chaos and turns it into order. And that's what we see over and over and over again in Scripture, this illustration of what the Spirit is. The Spirit, you see, comes upon people. That's the words they use in Scripture. It comes upon all these various figures in Scripture. Joseph receives the Spirit, and that's how he's able to interpret the dreams he's given. There's a really famous artist in Scripture who paints the temple ark, and he is given the Spirit in order to create beautiful paintings. Job is given the Spirit in order to endure his suffering. The Spirit of the Lord comes upon people. And as we get towards the middle of the Old Testament, we start to see a shift here. It's not just the life force that's hovering over creation. God gives us a promise. There's a promise in the middle of the Old Testament. In Ezekiel, actually, the passage that I read when, or I quoted when I was talking about the water The one that says, with this water, I will cleanse and change a heart of stone for a heart of flesh. You see, the other part of that passage talks about how the spirit of the Lord is going to come upon everyone one day. And instead of animating life and creating new creation in the world, it's going to create new creation in our hearts. There was a promise in the Old Testament, expectation that one day, One day, the Spirit of the Lord, it wouldn't just hover over the earth. It would be inside of us, working in us, creating new hearts in us. And of course, Jesus becomes the indicator of this new creation. In fact, his ministry starts off with a baptism. John the Baptist goes to baptize Jesus, and when he does, when he puts the water and comes back up out of the water... The scripture tells us that the spirit of the Lord came down upon him in the form of a bird. And that spirit of the Lord dwelled within him, allowed him to do the ministry that he did. If you think about it, the ministry that Jesus did, healing people, raising people from the dead, it was all about giving life. He was using the spirit in order to do his ministry. And then when he left, when he rose from the dead, he told his disciples, look, I have to leave you, but don't worry, because when I do, I'm going to give you the gift, the gift of the advocate or the helper or the comforter. It can be translated lots of ways. The paraclete, the Holy Spirit. And it will come into you, and it will teach you things, and it will show you how you're supposed to live. And so we get this story in Acts, which is the lessons about how the early church formed, the story called Pentecost. We call it Pentecost. But really, it was after all of his followers, they, Jesus had risen from the dead. He was up in heaven. They really didn't know what to do. They were crammed in this room, unsure of how to proceed. And then they heard this giant wind come out of nowhere. And this howling wind turned into flames. And those flames touched each individual person in the room. And when they did, they started to speak all of these crazy languages. And that is the representation of the Holy Spirit, that from that moment on, everyone who believed in Jesus had the Holy Spirit in them. And we believe here that everyone has the Holy Spirit within them from birth, that the Holy Spirit is part of our birthright, that when we are born into the family of God, then we too can access that God within us. So, that is what scripture does. It gives us this roadmap, this picture, this abbreviated version of who the Holy Spirit is. But in order for us to recognize, to name those moments when we're standing in front of beauty and order and goodness, to recognize it as the Holy Spirit, we really have to understand what the Holy Spirit does. And so, that's what we're going to take most of our time doing today learning about what the Holy Spirit does. And my hope is by having names for these things that you may identify the Spirit in your life and praise it accordingly. Now, I hate acronyms. And when I started preaching, I swore I would not use acronyms, but alas, here I'm using an acronym. So we're going to use an acronym. It's R-I-I. I -I. I add an extra I. Just deal with it. R-I-I-S-E. Rise. Because this is what the Holy Spirit does in your life. Okay? Rise. So we're going to start with this first one, R, regenerate. It's a fancy word, it's a theological word, but it means what it says it means, regenerate, to make anew, to make a new creation. This word, Stephen actually mentioned it before when he talked about being born again, and that word has taken on a lot of meanings now in modern day Christianity, but it comes from scripture. So, when Jesus is talking to a Jewish leader, and this Jewish leader, Nicodemus, asks him, Well, what do I have to do to enter the kingdom of heaven? Jesus says, You have to be born again. You have to be born not of the flesh, but of the spirit. And only by being born of the spirit will you have access to the kingdom of heaven. Jesus was teaching something that now we can call regeneration this idea that when you are born of the spirit, when your heart changes, then that is the Holy Spirit working in you to bring you to that place. And we can see that in lots of different areas of our life. Sometimes it's an instantaneous moment. It's a change. It's a realization when an addict or someone who is really struggling with habits in their life that are heavy and hard and are taking them away from the Lord, they hit a place where they think, man, I can't do this on my own and they change. They repent, which means to turn around, and they start down a new path. We believe that what brings them to that place, what brings them to that moment, is the Holy Spirit, and we name it as so. It is the Spirit working in you that turns you around. And we symbolize that through baptism a lot. That's why when adults get baptized, it's a symbol of that regeneration in their life, that choosing that new path. When we baptize infants, what we're saying is that we believe that that transformation has already begun because they were born into God's family. And there will be a time when they are 12 or 11 during confirmation where they will make that decision for themselves. But for now, we believe that the Holy Spirit is working in their lives for the next 11 years, helping them on that path to God and to live like Jesus. So the first thing that the Holy Spirit does in our life is regeneration. It changes us. It moves us to a different place. The second two are related. So we're gonna start with the first one, inspire. But they're related, and this is why I felt it was okay to do two Y's Because they both have to do with God's words. So inspire and illuminate is the second one. They both have to do with God's words. So let's start with inspire. So inspire, is how we think about the Bible. A lot of people ask me this, and there's a lot of questions, about, okay, what do I do with Scripture? It was made by men. It was put together by a lot of humans. There's a lot of, like, what feels like errors or things in it. How do I understand Scripture as more than just a book? And this has to do with our belief in inspiration. We believe that the biblical authors were inspired by the Holy Spirit. And it doesn't just mean like, yeah, they felt motivated and then they wrote it. No, we believe that God, the Holy Spirit, actually moved through them in order to put words down on the page. And there's a great verse that we don't talk about often and it's in uh, 1 Peter. And they say, this is a letter and he's explaining scripture. He says, above all, you must understand that no prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things for prophecy never had its origin in the human will but prophets through humans spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. It doesn't mean that we believe that God dictated it. It doesn't mean that we believe that like God just told them what to say and wrote it down. No, the Holy Spirit moved through their own personalities and their own context and gave them words to say. So we believe that that inspiration is God-breathed, that the Holy Spirit actually worked through the biblical authors, and that's why we have confidence in Scripture today. But it's not just Scripture that is inspired. Have you ever been with a friend, and like, it's just this moment where they say something to you, and it feels like a coincidence. Sometimes we call it a coincidence. But they say something to you, and you're just like, oh my gosh, I, th- I was thinking about that last night, and that is exactly what I needed to hear. Or maybe you're the one who delivers the words, and you're, you're like, I don't know, I just feel like I need to call this person. I don't know why, but I'm just going to send them a text. And then, then you send it, and then they respond, oh my gosh, I'm so thankful you called today. My mom is really sick, and I need some help. We believe that that action what prompts you isn't coincidence. It's the Holy Spirit, it is God. And sometimes we call it a God thing, but I think there's power in identifying that no, that is the Holy Spirit working in you and working in your friend so that you can hear God today. And the second, or third, illuminate, is similar, but it's on the opposite end. So illuminate, when we talk about it in a religious context, means that we understand God's words. It's funny because, you know, have you ever, like, sat and read a Bible passage? And then you come back to it, like, months later, and you're like, oh, this means, like, something entirely different than what I thought it meant. And it speaks to you in this weird way that's really particular, and you weren't really sure where it came from. We believe that God is working in you as the Spirit in order to help you understand God's words. Otherwise, we wouldn't be able to recognize God. Do you know what I mean? Like, you can look at a beautiful thing, but the fact that you're able to understand that that beautiful thing points to God, that's because of the Spirit in you. That's because you were given a gift when you were made to be able to understand God in the world. And I believe we all have this. We all can recognize God in the world, right? We know what is good and true and beautiful. And sometimes we name it as God and sometimes we don't. But that force, that spirit that is working in us to reveal that to us, we call that the Holy Spirit. And fourth is sanctify. And this is the second part of the regeneration. So after you've turned, after you've chosen a new path, Well, then you have to walk that path, and that path is really hard. And so after we've turned and made the choice that we're going to follow Jesus, well, now we have to take every step, making a new choice every day with every decision that comes your way. But we believe that there is something in you, the Holy Spirit, that is working in you to help you along your path. You're not alone. Once you decide to follow Jesus, it's not like, oh, yeah, good luck. Make your life like Jesus. Try hard, and you'll get there. No, the idea is that every day you are living and changing your heart. It is transforming to be more like God. The bulk of our lives is spent in this sanctify stage. Our one mission in life is spent in this sanctify stage. That we become more like Jesus with every decision that we make by dwelling and being in the Spirit that we can understand better what is good and like giving and what is of God. And the only reason that we are empowered to do that is because the Holy Spirit is in you and is teaching you, that's what Jesus said, it is teaching you and showing you how to live. That process of becoming cleaner, more pure, that's the language scripture uses sometimes, a cleansing of sorts, the daily decision the things you have to shed away in order to keep your heart focused on God. We call that the process of sanctification. And that is the work of the Holy Spirit. And the last one, empower. And specifically, empower for service. If you've heard anything about the Holy Spirit, one of the things that is often attributed to it is our gifts. Whatever gifts are given to us, It's talked about as from the Spirit, and that comes from Scripture in Paul's letters where he talks about these gifts being given by the Holy Spirit. And sometimes we narrow those gifts as like specific ones, like you have the gift of prophecy or you have the gift of teaching. But I think that we're thinking too specifically about those gifts. You see, when I think of what the Holy Spirit does for us, how it empowers us for the service of Jesus' work here on earth, I think about these small moments in our lives where you have patience beyond all understanding when you're a kid. When your kid, it doesn't want to be in church, and you're sitting there, and when you have the patience and the ability to see it for what it is and the goodness that it is, that is the Holy Spirit working in you. When you have the peace beyond understanding after something really hard happens, maybe this past year through a wrench and everything that you believed and everything that you stood for and every system and process that you had in your life that you were confident in, and somehow, some way you endured it. And not only endured it, you found goodness in it. You were empowered by something to live into a life that you didn't even think possible. Those gifts, that peace, that patience, that love, that goodness, that faithfulness, that self-discipline, that control, all of those, we call them fruits of the Spirit because they are from God and they are in you they are in you, and when you live into them, then you are empowered to do the work that Jesus has called us to do here on this earth. I think of the Holy Spirit a lot when I preach. But it's kind of a ridiculous thing to assume that I would come up here and talk about God when I don't really have it figured out either. There is no way that I could stand up here and preach if I did not believe that the Holy Spirit was here with me, and that I wasn't alone. There's no way that I would have the confidence or the ability to say things if I didn't understand that the Spirit is active and working in the world. Sometimes, this actually happens a lot, when Stephen and I preach, someone will come up to us afterwards and be like, I love this thing that you said. And you're often like, I didn't say that. I'm 100% sure I did not say that. And it's kind of become a joke, but it, but we often attribute it to the Holy Spirit, right? We attribute it to this understanding there is something else going on in this room when we come into church. It is not just us. There is something else moving, both in us when we say words and both in you when you understand them. That is the Spirit of the Lord working in this place. And so when you ask me what the Holy Spirit is, sorry, who? the Holy Spirit is, the best definition I've come up with is that the Holy Spirit is God's most personal presence in you. It is the thing you can cling to in hard moments. It is the rock that you can stand on when you're unsure. It is the belief that there is a God with us always, just as Jesus promised. When you fully understand the Holy Spirit, when you understand that it is not up to you, that there is something working in you, that is bringing you to the fullest life that you can imagine, it changes everything. Because then the Holy Spirit doesn't become this cousin that you lock up, or this elderly grandma that sits in the living room. It actually becomes the the life force that makes a house into a home. It's the spirit that moves through the house that makes it feel real and genuine and authentic. The laughs of the kids, the patter of their feet, the dinners that you gather around, the joy that you feel, the peace and the patience, the longing and belonging that you feel in that house, in that home, that is the spirit. Taking darkness into light, taking chaos into order, taking nothingness and making it beautiful. That is my prayer for us today, on this 4th of July. That as you go out into the world, that you may understand that there is God within you, that there is a God that is illuminating, that is inspiring, that is empowering and sanctifying and regenerating you for service in this world that you are able to live like God because God is with you. And maybe my greatest prayer of all is that I know that there are those moments already in your life that you name as God. I hope that you are more specific with them in the name of the Holy Spirit because in that that you may fully understand who God is in his fullness. So to close out, We're going to say the Apostles' Creed together. But before we do, I want to focus on that last line, or the line that we looked at today, I believe in the Holy Spirit. A lot of times we get to the end of the creed, and we kind of like slide down, right? I believe in the Holy Spirit, blah, 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 and we get to the end. But that last part is just as valuable, is just as much about God and our work in the world as the other two. So today, when we say the creed, I want us to say it, with all the same faith and belief and worship and praise that Christians have done for thousands of years. So let's stand up and say the creed together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, Will you pray with me as we close out our time? Spirit of the living God, we're so thankful that you are in us. What a gift. What a gift that you thought of us enough to know that we would need you. To know that we need you to change our hearts, to know that we long truly, if we look at it, to be a new creation in the world. Thank you for giving us that chance for giving us the freedom to choose you and to recognize you, to move towards you of our own will. Lord, help us recognize you in the world. Help us recognize your spirit in our lives, to name it as God, and be confident that that is in fact a way that you are working. It is in your holy and precious name. Amen.